Let's pray and jump into it. Heavenly Father, I thank You and praise You for the anointing. I thank You for utterance. Father, we set our faith out there in agreement to hear from You today. We don't want any, any opinion of mine. We don't care what I think. We want to know what You think, Father. And then think that. And I thank You for a spirit of wisdom, revealed knowledge of who You are and what Your Word says, Father. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Give each individual rhema today, specific what they need for their lives, Father. And I thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're working on this... Uh, Hearing God for myself. And I got to tell you, you know, I am like busting at the seams because right now in this part of the series where we're talking about conscience, it's like nuts and bolts, rubber meets the road stuff here. This is where, now see, we've talked about for the last, I don't know how many weeks we've been on it, the different ways God talks to you, the different mechanisms, like, you know, how we can hear His voice. But now we're going to find out how in real time, in real life, practical ways can I hear from God. Isn't that good? Because I don't really care about theory. Theory doesn't help me. I want to know how does this work. Because you know what? That, that's why I'm not a big guy on theology. What you know, the study of God and what He thinks. And that's man's idea. You know what? I want to know, God, what is it that you provided in my life that'll help me here on this planet have victory? Amen. And how do I work that out in real time? Because otherwise, it's just a, a mental exercise. Now, who cares about that? I want my life to get better. Don't you want yours to get better? All right, so let's go here to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 10. It says this, There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. We know that though, right? And aren't we hearing voices from all angles? And he says there's different kinds of voices. Most of the voices that we hear are not audible. Most voices that we hear are not audible. We hear them in our head, and our mind is where we receive all these voices. I mean, that chair will start talking to you in a few minutes, if it's not already. I'm on, this is not comfortable. I'm cold. I'm hard. And, I, and Andrew, you're making me miserable already. No, I'm not. The chair is. It's talking to you. Okay, but same thing. Your car will talk to you. Right? I use that, that example about when the, the gauge goes down to empty. Doesn't it talk to you? Or you know your 3,000 miles are up. 5,000 miles ago to get the oil changed? Am I the only one that that happens to? No. Huh? You look up on the sticker and you're like, oh! <laughs> you know, and then you start thinking, oh no, that's when I got it changed last so I could add 3,000 on that. No, honey, no. you minus 3,000 and that sticker will talk to you. Amen? But you know what? What happens in life is we're so used to hearing all these voices and we're pulled and driven and led or influenced in this direction that direction by all these voices. We're influenced by them. And we end up being tossed to and fro and carried about and just chucked here and there. And do you ever feel like that? Like you're in the washing machine of life? Well, I don't want to live like that. I, want, you know, I don't want to live like that. So look over here in Mark 4. This is why Jesus said this. He said, Take heed what you hear and what measure you meet and it shall be measured to you and unto you that hear, more will be given. For he that hath, to him shall be given. And he that doesn't, or he that hath not, to him what he does have will be taken from him. Now let me untangle the King James. He said, you know what? You better take heed which voice you're listening to first off. And then we put a value system on it. Remember 1 Corinthians 14, it said all these voices have signification. They're all significant, but how significant are they in my life? Do I, do I make decisions on this voice that I hear? I mean, uh, really, there's three kinds of voices. 
that, that the Bible talks about. And he talks about the lust of the flesh, which is the voice of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, which is the voice of advertising, and the pride of life or the pride of bios, which is your ego. Those are the three main things that we... Either your flesh wants Oreos now. I mean, you could be pulled and driven by that. Or it wants sleep, right? Or it wants sex. Or it wants to feel good so we go medicate ourselves. Or whatever your flesh wants. I don't want to get out of bed. I don't feel like going to work, right? That's what we call... The Bible calls it. That's the religious term. Lust of the flesh. It's just the voice of the flesh. It's your flesh saying, feed me. Put me to bed. Well, okay. The, the, The lust of the eyes is the voice of advertising. That's what Satan did to Eve in the garden. Look at this. It looks good. Right? It was like a Tropicana commercial. If you drink this, you'll get your necessary calcium for the day. Or, what, you know, any of those beverage drinks. He's telling her this fruit looks good. This fruit, oh, it'll make you wise. It'll make you like God. It's the voice of advertising. How many know she had, her life was influenced by the voice of advertising? Is ours? Yeah, it is. That's why they do commercials. They work. Amen. I know that's right. And if you don't, you know... Kimmy and I were in the grocery store the other day, and, and all the kids' cereals are down here. All the healthy ones are up here. You know why? Because the advertising that's done on Nickelodeon and Disney Channel, it, now it all matches up with down here. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. So they know it works on your kids, too. And then the pride of life. It's, it's, it, it, this is the one that will get most of us if the other two don't. Do you know we tie our self-esteem to like what our job is? I mean, now, I've had a lot of jobs. I mean, my self-esteem was higher when I could say I was a special agent because that's special than when I was like the, the dairy stock guy at the Bilo. Nothing wrong with either. Both of them very, I mean, and you know what? Both of them had to grind. Neither of them made me happy, to be honest with you. They had stuff that I had to deal with. A boss that I didn't like. Had to get up and show up. But how, why did I tie my self-esteem to one? Well, because people listened to the voice of advertising. They saw really cool movies about special agents. Pride of life. So I'm listening to that voice. I mean, we don't, I, I shouldn't make decisions on, you know, what will make me feel better self-esteem-wise, pride in life, and what, really what it is is why I want other people to think of me. That's why I drive certain cars. You know, well, I wouldn't just drive a clunker. I wouldn't go to church to it. You know, a lot of people won't come to this church because of the pride of life. Look where they meet. <laughs> they ain't even got sheetrock. <laughs> Amen, I know that's the truth. It's all right. It don't bother me none. You, who's missing out? When you listen to the pride of life, you're missing out. It's not the pride of Zoe, it's the pride of Bios, it's the pride of natural life. Make decisions based on that. Where you go to college. Even the Marine Corps, right? That's a recruiting statement. The few, the proud. The proud. We buy into it. I did. <laughs> Worked on me. Amen. But so you understand, we gotta we don't put a value. You know what? We shouldn't value any of those voices. Because if we do, we'll make decisions on them, and guess what? They, they don't lead to life. Mm-hmm. And I said, take heed what you hear and, and what value you put on it. And, and so, you know what? And I'll say this. If you, that's verse 25. To him that hath. Say that you have rhema, and you value rhema. You, you value God talking to you. The rhema that you do get, if you value it, what does it say? To him shall be given what? More. You'll get more. You'll get more. And if you don't value rhema, you know, and you value all this other stuff, all these other voices, the little that you did have will be what? Taken away. But it doesn't just rhema. It's anything. You ever hear, you know, if you don't use it, you'll lose it? Mm-hmm. Anybody remember anything from their like third grade geography class? Huh? No. I don't value it. Did you? 
Not that much of you would have remembered it, because if you did remember it and you valued it, you would have had more. You might have went to college for geography, and now you might be working for National Geographic. Right? Mm-hmm. It could be whatever, whatever area in life that you put value on, and that's usually why people make career track decisions on what they, want, on what they value. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not a doctor because I didn't really value blood and guts, you know, and fixing that. And that didn't interest me. Now, blowing stuff up did interest me, so I went in the Marine Corps. I like that. Did you see, that's the, but I made decisions in my life based on what I valued, what I heard, and then, then the more that I valued that, the more that I got of that. Can you see that? That's what happened. So that's the same thing we're trying to do is hear from God. So we need to value our time and what we hear from God more. So when he does say something to us, we should put a high value on that and do it. Because if we want more of that, then we should value that. Same thing with my wife and I. If I value what she says, you should say, no, that ain't right, you should do this. If I value that and go do that, how many know she'd be more inclined to help me out the next time I'm about to make a fool of myself? If I don't value it, she might just say, well, you know, I told him four times already, now I'm just going to watch him do it. And they go, well, I don't know. Huh? It's funny, but it's not. Amen, I had to learn that the hard way. I just do what Kimmy says after a while. You know, she's got wisdom. She does? Amen. Go to the next one. Romans 8 says this, The Spirit Himself bears witness or communicates or testifies. Remember what bear witness is? Testify tells the truth as He knows it. Right? With our what? Our spirit. Not our mind. All these other voices you'll hear in your mind. Every voice that talks to you, you receive in your mind. Except for one. God's. He don't talk to your mind. He's not a mind. He's a spirit. His spirit will talk to your spirit. Now this seems basic. But look over here in Romans, we're right there in Romans 8. Let's flip back, just back up a couple of verses. Romans 8 and verse 10. I'm about to bust. I got all this stuff on the inside of me. I hope I get it all out in a fashion that we can grab a hold of it. Romans 8 and verse 10 says this, And if Christ be in who? You. So who are we talking about? Right, we're talking about ourselves. If Christ be in you, then who's, the body is dead. Whose body? Your body, right. Your body's dead because of sin, but the Spirit, see how they capitalize that? That's a small s, because if it's your body we're talking about and Christ is in you, then whose Spirit will we be talking about? My Spirit. Your Spirit. So look, if Christ be in you, the body's dead because of sin, but the Spirit, your Spirit, the part that God talks to you, is what? Life. That's Zoe. That's the life of God because of righteousness. If we, if we understood, if we just thought about it for a minute, we understood that our life is in our Spirit a lot of these other voices would start melting away. Because I wouldn't put any value on anything. In fact, I'll tell you right now, it took me a long time to learn this, but I don't value any other voice than the voice of my spirit anymore. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't come from God, I really don't put a high value on it. Why? Because that's where life is. He said because of righteousness or equity. That's where all his equity comes out of is my spirit or my heart. All this, Remember we heard that. Guard your heart because out of it are the issues of life. All this, if you need healing, it ain't coming from any self-help book. It ain't coming from the doctor. If you need healing in your body, where's it coming from? Your spirit, your life. If you need riches, if you have, if you have lack in your checkbook, it ain't coming from pull up yourself by your bootstraps. It could get, you could get a certain amount of wealth, but there'll be a lot of headache with it. Where's that coming from? The riches of the Lord that come without sorrow. Where's that come from? Your spirit, which is life. Bad relationships you're in, you want them fixed? You know... We do all the stuff naturally, right? We'll go to counseling and all. 
You know what? Why don't you get in touch with God? Because doesn't He know the answer? Because life comes out of your spirit. So if we really understood that, we wouldn't value anything other than what God tells us. And when you do value that, He said more will be given to you. Now, I want that to transfer over into real life, real time. You know, that's nice for, you know, your three hour in your prayer closet, but we're living life here. Clock's ticking. we got to make real life, real time decisions. Right? Go to the next one. We know that God's spirit talks to our spirit. Go to the next one for me. So our conscience, this is what we've been studying, is our conscience is the voice of our spirit. It's the voice box or the technical mechanism how your spirit communicates to you. It's just like my you're hearing my voice, but we wouldn't say Andrew's voice is talking right now. We would say that Andrew's talking. Conscience is the voice box of your spirit. It's the part of your spirit that will communicate everything that God knows. So, wouldn't we want to value what our conscience is saying? If that's the, that's the mechanism that God chose, that's the way that God uses to get His information to the rest of your being, to your mind and your body and your emotions, don't I need to know how to operate in that? Absolutely. We saw the Greek word for conscience is sunidasis, and it means co-perception. You can perceive or sense intuitively everything that the Holy Spirit perceives and senses intuitively. You have the ability to know everything that God knows in real time. How do I get that information there? to the rest of my mind and my emotions and my body. It says, For he, in 1 Corinthians 6, 17, we've seen this week after week, but he that is joined to the Lord is what? One spirit. Coffee and creamer, we put them in one cup. It's one cup of coffee. You mix them up, you can't split them anymore. That's what happens with your spirit and God's spirit. You're one. Now, my conscience will tell me everything that my spirit knows, which is mixed with God's spirit. So I need to hear and value what my conscience is telling me. All right, go to the next one for me. Oh, now it's going to get good. Look, Romans 9 and verse 1. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not my conscience also, bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. We might not get off this verse for a while. A couple things you want to notice. Who's talking? His what? It's his conscience, right? Doesn't he say my conscience? And his conscience is bearing him witness. means he testifies the truth as he knows it how. The same way that who knows it? The Holy Ghost. Isn't that right? But look at that first thing he said. He said, my conscience, I say, that's my spirit, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. Your conscience will always tell you the truth. Anything that's not truth is a what? By Jesus' stripes, you were healed 2,000 years ago. If you're hearing any voice that's telling you you're sick, is that your conscience? This is an easy way to find your conscience. Because your conscience will always tell you the what? It will never tell you the facts. Your conscience will never, ever tell you the facts. Your conscience will always tell you the truth. If you say, real time, how do I hear the voice of God? Listen to the one that's telling you the truth. And that's your conscience. And now I'm going to listen to that one. Look here, watch this over here in Romans 8. Let's back this up. Romans 8. Start in verse 31. Because, you know, in the original there was no chapter and verse. Y'all know that, right? Okay, what they did the chapter break in the wrong place. They put chapter uh, 9 and put verse 1 there. It should be the end of chapter 8. Because watch this. Let's back up to verse 31 of Romans 8. So you're in the middle of life, right? Real time, real stuff. you got problems. We got Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Lord delivers them. So you're in the middle of that. I'm having all these voices talk to me. 
Alright, let's pick it up. Verse 31. What shall we say to these things? You ever been in that spot? All this stuff in life coming at you? What shall you say to these things? And usually it'll be cussing. Don't act all holy. It's Easter, I know, but I know, you know, come on. Cussing, it's alright. I'm not saying it's, it's not cursing, it's cussing. There's a difference between cursing it, because if you curse it, then you have what you say. If you're just cussing, well, you know. He said, what do we say to these things? If God, this is, here's your conscience talking, because it'll tell you the truth. If God be for us, who can be against us? That's the very first thing that your conscience will start telling you. If God's for you, who can be against you? Now watch this, kind of this war going on in his head. He's going to set, you know, I'm, I'm trying to hone in on my conscience. Look at this running dialogue he has. Here's your conscience talking. If God's for us, who could be against us? He, this is your conscience, will tell you this. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for all, how shall he not with also him also freely give you how many things? All. All, freely. If he gave Jesus, this is your conscience. If he gave Jesus up, why do you think he's withholding the money to pay that bill? Why do you think he's withholding healing? This is, your, this is the truth. If you're not hearing that, it ain't your conscience. Easy way to find your conscience. Look, who shall... Now, here's your conscience talking. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Does that sound like guilt? No, that sounds like, you know what? Who is any of y'all that are going to find fault with me? That sounds kind of cocky, doesn't it? That's your conscience talking. Because the truth is that when God looks at you, He thinks that you're what? Perfect. That Does He remember anything that you did wrong anymore? No, so if you hear anything that tells you, oh, you don't deserve that, that ain't your conscience. Your conscience will say, who, who is going to tell me, namely hell, the devil, if, who is he to tell me I don't deserve and I shouldn't get and I can't receive and that ain't for me today? I'm God's elect, baby. That's your conscience talking, telling you the truth. What else? He said, it is God that justifies. Who, who made me right? God. He may, you know it's available for everybody on the planet, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Remember we saw that last week. God doesn't hold anything against the world. It, that means the world's accounts are clean. You always seen that bumper sticker? I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. I'm a Christian. Well, stupid, that's the whole planet. The whole planet's forgiven. Read your Bible. If they're not, then what Jesus did wasn't enough. Okay, verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? Who's that that's trying to make me feel guilty? This is your... Boy, I'll tell you what. I don't know why we didn't read this before. Because here's my conscience talking to me. Who's that trying to make me feel guilty? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God and makes intercession for me. Who's going to bat for me? Jesus. That's your conscience telling you, man, if you got Jesus as your defense attorney, going to bat for you? Is there, I mean, Johnny Cochran ain't got nothing on Jesus, does he? Think of the, you know, the craziest defense attorney in that dream team. Jesus is better. He never lost a case. And then watch this. Who, this is your conscience, he'll tell you the truth. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Now watch, this is what your mind will say. Yeah, but as it is written, for, you, for thy sake we're killed all the day long. We're counted as sheep for the slaughter. You ever heard that? And he's quoting a psalm out of context. Hell will do that. And religious people, yeah, but you know, we're killed all the day long for Jesus' sake. You ever heard that, John? What's the very next word that Paul says? No! 
That's your conscience. No! See, what will sneak in is this other voice that will start to try and get you off. Like, no, you know you should be suffering for Jesus. No, your conscience will tell you no. No, no, no. Why? Because in all these things we are what? More than conquerors through Him that loved us. That's your conscience talking. If you're not hearing that voice, it ain't your conscience. Value what your conscience is telling you. Because it tell you, no, we're more than conquerors in all of this. I don't care what it looks like. What was the list? Tribulation, distress, persecution. If you're hungry, if you're naked, peril, or even somebody's got a sword or a gun to your head. No, I'm more than a conqueror in all these things. Okay. What else? For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nothing that I'm going through now, and nothing that you could think up bad that's coming down the pike. He said, neither height, nor depth, nor any other creature be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bears me witness in the Holy Ghost. Explanation point, end of the chapter. That's your conscience talking to you. I win. If it ain't I win, it ain't your conscience. Because it ain't the truth. Because the truth is, Jesus did all that stuff so that you could win. He's not going to do one more thing to make you win. He did it all 2,000 years ago. He ain't going to keep dying and keep going to hell and keep taking stripes on his But No, he did it one time for all. Value that. So if you're ever wondering, hmm, am I making the right decision? Well, I can't hear from God. Really? Let's hear what's the truth say. Listen to your conscience. Now, we win in everything we do. Amen. I'm more than a conqueror. It don't matter what comes down the pike. We win. That's the truth. I say the truth. In Christ I lie not. My conscience bearing me with telling me the truth the same way the Holy Ghost knows it. Does the Holy Ghost know some truth? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, your conscience will say, it will never tell you anything different than what the Holy Ghost says. That's a good one to trust. Amen. Now, is it easy to locate your conscience now? Yeah, because if it's the facts, it ain't your conscience. If it's I'm losing, it ain't your conscience. If it's, oh, what are we going to do now? It ain't your conscience. Your conscience is, we win, we're more than conquerors in everything. Have a nice day. And no matter what you could dream up, no matter what I'm in now, or you know, because he said the things that come too, I love that. He said, no matter what bad thing you could dream up that will happen in the future, it doesn't really matter. Because I'm more than a conqueror in that too. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Alright, go to the next one for me. Alright, so we know that conscience is the voice of our spirit communicating the influence of the Holy Spirit. We know there's two types of conscience. I'm going to run through these real quick. Good and evil. Go to the next one. Good conscience, it brings peace. It's the voice of your human spirit. Go to the next one. Evil conscience, full of labors. It's the voice of guilt. We spent a lot of time on that. Jennings taught on it. Dump it. We'll sum it up with that. Dump the guilt. Go to the next one. All right, I'm going to watch this. Because this, this is about valuing what you hear from your ministers. Kimmy and I were talking about this this morning. We had this conversation a lot, actually. I'd rather you read a Harlequin novel then watch Christian TV. I'd rather you watch a Seinfeld episode than go down to the Christian bookstore and grab a book off the shelf and start reading it, not knowing who it's from. But it's Christian, quote, quote. All right, go to 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 1. I can't believe you said that, Andrew, and it's Easter. Listen, 
You're reading a Harlequin novel. You know you shouldn't be, you know, doing the stuff that they do in that, right? You don't need a red flag to go off. Yeah, that's right. still, yeah. But you're reading something, guys, in the quote, quote, Christian wrapped in the cloaked in that, boy, it'll get you off in a heartbeat. It'll get you in guilt and ensnare you and entrap you and, and keep you from receiving in five seconds or less. Read this. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, Paul said, that we have received mercy, we faint not. If your minister isn't doing this, you need to run. We have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. There's a lot of ministers that haven't done that, I'm sorry to say. Not walking in craftiness. You know what that means? It means you manipulate people with the Word. Manipulate behavior. Y'all ever been there? Where somebody's trying to get you to guilt you into doing something or manipulate your behavior and use the Word to, to get you to do what they want you to do? Nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, and that Greek word means to ensnare people. But, by manifestation or exhibiting and displaying of the truth, we commend ourselves, and that Greek says, we confer our trust towards every man's conscience in the sight of God. That's telling me, as your, as your pastor, I, all I have to do is live the truth and teach the truth. I don't have to ensnare you. I don't have to use sleight of hand. And you know what? I trust that your conscience, I'm trusting that your conscience will tell you the right thing. Because why? I'm teaching you how to hear from God. I, as your minister, trust that you hear from God because I'm doing it and I'm not manipulating you and I'm teaching you how to hear from God for yourself so at no time do I ever not trust that you're hearing from God. If your if you're minister, your pastor, ain't trusting that you hear from God for yourself, run! Because Paul said this is the ministry that was given to us that we confer our trust to your conscience. I trust that you hear from God. If I'm supposed to trust that you hear from God, don't you think you should trust that you hear from God? Do you see how we made that switch? Because you don't really trust that you're hearing from God all the time, do you? Be like, Nevin's quiet. I don't know. Yeah, I trust all the time. You know what? Good. Start. That's your. You should be saying that and believing that that you hear from God all the time. If I believe that you hear from God. You should believe that you hear from God. He said, I confirm my trust. I commend myself to your conscience. I trust that you're hearing from God on your own. But isn't that what we've done at the clock all along? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, it was an offense to them, to be honest with you. They didn't want to hear from God for themselves. They wanted me to tell them what to hear from God and then do that because then back to the measuring stick. Oh, I made the mark. Woo, I'm good. So... It might even seem on the front end that it's harder for you to, you know, have to take the time to hear from God. But it ain't really. Because if your, is your conscience with you all the time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all we have to do is recognize it. Isn't it? We don't have to spend a hundred hours in prayer and fasting. Do you? No. All I have to do is recognize when my conscience is yakking to me. That's it. Okay. Go to the next one. All right, there's, this is the nuts and bolts of it, okay? I don't really care about an evil conscience. Listen, if you're, feeling, if you're in guilt, you cannot hear from God. Questions? We went over that for about three. If you're feeling guilty about something, you can't get rhema, okay? And you've taken yourself out of a good conscience. Remember, the answer is not putting away the filth of the flesh, but a good conscience. So the Bible talks about six conditions of a good conscience. 
I don't even give a rip about an evil conscience anymore. The Bible doesn't really either. It tells you you've been washed from it, so get rid of it. Okay? But there are six conditions. Really, it's three conditions. There's just a positive side and a negative side to a good conscience. I hate to look at the negative side, but actually, we'll actually learn more looking at the negative side of these conditions than the positive. Because we'll learn more, because really, we've been living on the negative side of it, and then we can recognize in our own lives, hey, I did that, and I'm doing that, and that's messed up. Because it's more easy, you know, it's just like the good and evil list. Was it easier to recognize evil or good? Evil, because it's all over the place, all right? (laughs) Six conditions of a good conscience. We have a pure conscience, and the opposite of that is a defiled conscience. We've got a weak conscience, and of course the opposite of that would be a strong strong conscience. Then we have a seared conscience, or a callous conscience, and the opposite of that is tender. You ever heard of being Mm tender-hearted? That's a tender conscience, okay? I don't know how long it's going to take us to get through this every time I teach this. I mean, the first time I taught conscience you know, a couple years ago was four, four weeks. The next one was nine weeks. We're already up on like 12. I don't know. So I don't know how long this will take. But if I was you, I'd want to find out how th- these next weeks when we're here, I wouldn't miss. And I'd go home and listen to these messages again. Because this is where life is from, and this is where you're going to receive all your healing. Anything that you need is going to come out of how do I operate in a good conscience. I, I practice it. I already know it. I don't need to show up to church every week to hear it. If, if your life isn't doing everything that you want it to do, you might want to show up. And I'm not trying to guilt you into it. It doesn't really matter to me. I'm going to teach you whether you're here or not. Do you, do you understand? Mm-hmm. This is important. Very important. Go to the next one. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 3. Now, I say this verse because I want to give us a baseline of really, in the original language, what the heck is Paul talking about when he says pure conscience. So here's this verse. He says to Timothy, I thank God whom I serve with my, from my forefathers with a pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of you in my prayers day and night. Go to the next one, Emma. Here's that Greek word pure. It means this. It's clean. It's clear. Sometimes it means that you prune it to bear fruit. I mean, no, that's not really... We don't like to hear that, do we? Get pruned. Purified by fire. Don't like that one either too much myself. Free from corrupt desire. It's sincere. It's genuine. And look at this. It's free from every admixture of what is false and it's free from what? So if you're feeling guilty, you've already violated your conscience. You don't have a pure conscience. That's the one on the bottom. We'll stick that one. It's easy, isn't it? We can identify guilt pretty quick, can't we? If you get into guilt, you've already violated your conscience. You've defiled it. It's not pure anymore. The next one back on that list is free from every admixture of what is false. Now, I said this the other week. Yeah, anybody have like a two-stroke engine, like a chainsaw? A two-stroke? You know, you have to mix the fuel and the oil. Guys, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where you have so much, you know, per gallon of gas, how much ounces of, uh, you know, crude oil that you mix in there so the engine don't blow up. That's how you make a really good lie. Here's a recipe for a really good lie. A whole lot of truth, a gallon of truth, and just a couple ounces of what's false, and then you mix it in there and shake it up. That's a good lie. It'll violate your conscience, though. Any admixture, if you mix in anything false in what you're saying, say this with me, not one more lie. You ever wondered why Why can't I hear from God? If you're telling, if you're telling lies, if you're twisting the truth, when Paul said, I got rid of craftiness, I got rid of the hidden things of dishonesty, I don't ensnare people anymore, I don't spin Next time you're ready to do the tap dance so you don't get in trouble with your wife or your husband, just throw it out there. 
Why? Because you know what? I love you, baby, but I don't love you as much as I love hearing from God. I won't tell you I'm glad to see you if I'm not. Well, he didn't. I might tell you you look good. Well, he told me I look good. He didn't say he was glad to see me. Now you're all thinking all these conversations in our mind. Don't read nothing into it. But what I'm telling you is I won't lie to you. I won't even mix in a little admixture of what's false. If I tell you I love you, guess what? I love you. If I tell you, man, you look good today, you should go home and go, wow, I look good today. At least according to Andrew's scale. Because I'm not going to make up some trash and just to be nice and smooth and work a room. And You know why? Because I like hearing from God. And I'm not going to violate my conscience just to make you feel good. Now, you know, that got me in trouble too a lot of times here at church because, well, he's just, you know, he's so brash and rough. I could lie to you, but we won't have really good teaching anymore. I could tell you you look good, and then, well, I don't know what we'll do because I won't be hearing from God anymore. I'm keeping my conscience pure. And I'm not saying I go around saying mean stuff because I don't. But if I'm not just, you know, a lot of times you just be quiet. You don't have to say anything. We'll feel, well, man, we feel pressure to say something, don't we? If there's that really long pause, you know, that pregnant, uncomfortable pause, someone will be, feel the pressure to say something. Huh? You ever felt that? That's guilt. Now we're back to the other one. So don't mess with either guilt or the admixture of false. We're trying to keep a pure conscience. All right? Go to the next one for me. 1 Timothy 3. I want to look at this. 1 Timothy 3. Now, this is talking about the office of deacon, but I'm not really, I don't care about that. Right in the middle of this thing that Paul gives for the resume, if you will, the qualifications for the office of deacon, is hidden this nugget of truth. Right in the middle of it. That's huge. But we just kind of pass over because, you know, this is written for deacons and I'm not really trying out for that job. Okay, so but let's look at it. 1 Timothy 3 and verse 8. Likewise, must the deacons be grave and not double-tongued or sincere and genuine, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience, and let these first be proved, have a track record, then let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless or clean and pure. Now, right in the middle of that, did you see that one verse, verse 9? Read that with me. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. You ever wonder why your faith didn't work? Have you ever wondered why you said to a mountain move and it didn't move? And it was a mystery. Why believe God and He didn't show up? The key or the holding of that mystery, the solution to this mystery is in what? Found in what? Think about that for a minute. Here's the answer to the mystery of why your faith didn't work was probably 99%. I could just see the first cut is you didn't have a pure conscience. Now think about all the times that your faith didn't work. Now I'm not. This isn't guilt because guilt. Now we got rid of guilt. Now we're doing this. Is this is we're trying to real time in real life. How do I get my faith to work? How do I hear from God? I got to stop telling lies. I got to stop being crafty with the truth. I got to stop spinning stuff, right? Think about any times you ever. And listen, I am not trying to make us feel guilty. So get rid of that. We did three weeks on no guilt. You don't beat yourself up over this. What we're doing is going. Oh, now I see. Because this, 
If I keep my conscience pure, if I guard my heart, if I take heed what I hear, how many know? Now listen, you can listen to a bunch of Christian quote, quote, junk that will defile your conscience and you won't even know it because you'll be reading stuff that is truth mixed in with what is false. And now, you didn't even mean to do it, but you don't have a pure conscience anymore. You know what? The ministers that you know got you off or whatever, well, they'll pay their own price. But while you're listening to them, you pay a price because guess what? Your faith ain't working because you've believed something that is an admixture of what is false. And if you're believing that and not believing what God told you and what God's Word says, like the whole tithing thing. I believed for years that if I tithed, I'd get a 30, 60, 100 fold return. When we taught that, did it ever work? No, it was false. It took me years before God told me, you want to learn something? Because you ain't sowed no seed yet, Bubba. You're giving me tithes and offerings. That's different. And there's no 130 or 60 fold return on tithes and offerings. You do that because you love me. How many people in the body of Christ bought into that admixture of what is false and now their faith isn't working and they have no clue they've just been blindsided? They violate their conscience. They don't even know it. But what's your conscience? See, you've got to stop thinking conscience is that little angel and that little devil on your shoulder. Conscience is the voice of your spirit. And when you shut that voice down, you're not listening to that. You listen, if you listen to an admixture of what is false and you take heed and you hear that and you value that and you don't value your conscience saying, no! Because your conscience would tell you no if you were listening to it. Really? Absolutely it will. It tells you the truth I lie not. I say the truth in Christ. My conscience bears witness to me the same way the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Ghost, it took me how long before? I don't know. I was praying two years. God, how come I'm not seeing this hundredfold return? My heart's right. I'm believing it. He says, you believe in a lie. I'm just using that as one example. How many other things in life have we been... I don't know. But you know what? That's why I don't value what man says or what man thinks anymore. I value what my conscience tells me because it won't lie to me. It'll tell me the truth in Christ and say it how the Holy Ghost says it. Y'all following this? This is real time, real life. This is huge. It's the mystery of faith held in a pure conscience. Very, very careful of what we hear. Very careful. And then you you know you'll, there'll be something down on the inside of it that just like won't just sit right with you. You ever heard that? You're just not, I can't put my finger on it, but there's just something missing there with what that guy's saying, or it's just scratching on the inside. Trust that. That's your conscience telling you now, 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 something wrong, something off. Can't really put my finger on it. That happens to me a lot. Even when we're talking about somebody, Kimmy said the other, yeah, I, I just got a weird feeling from so and so. Really, what she's saying is. Her conscience is sensing something in the spirit. She don't know exactly what it is, can't put her finger on it right now, but I know something's up, so there's a warning flag went off. Y'all ever felt that? Something wrong on it? Can't really put my finger on it, but so let's just stop and not proceed any further on that one. This is the mystery of the faith. Pure conscience. Now listen what admixture of what's false. Is this helping anybody? Because there's a lot of stuff out there that's false. I, you know, even some of my, what I would call my mentors and my faith heroes and my teachers, 
Great men of faith. Great men of God. Learn tons of stuff from them. Even now, I, I'm real. When I hear them, I'm like, well, that's not really right. Just down on the inside, that ain't right. Am I judge them? No, I love them. Thanks for everything that you did teach me. But absolutely. But I'm also going to go on with what God's telling me, what my conscience is telling me. And if something wrong, then I'll dig into the Word and find out. And you know, Holy Spirit, now you show me. Where is it? You know, we just don't go. Well, there's something wrong with that, and then just leave it. You find out what the truth is. Right? Dig in for yourself. Value it. Because if you don't value when he said there's something wrong and then go investigate to find out what the truth is, how many know he'll stop telling you when something's wrong? All right, go to the next one for me. 1 Timothy 1. Wow. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 4. You know what? I'm, let's back up to verse 1. Hallelujah. I'm not in a hurry, you guys. If we don't get through it today, we'll keep going. Alright, is that okay? I don't want to just rush through stuff. Watch this. 1 Timothy 1 and verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. Now, I've been telling you for I don't know how many, I don't know, a couple years now, that commandments are what? Rhema. Rhema. Now, I really, God showed me this when I was reading this this week. He said, Andrew, is there anywhere in there that I gave a commandment that Paul should be an apostle? Was that one of the commandments? No, you know why? Because it ain't written. Commandments ain't written. They're rhema. Paul got a commandment from God, go be an apostle. Commandments are spoken. It's rhema. So when you see the word commandment in the New Testament, circle it and put rhema over top of it. That's God telling you to do something. How many know, while Paul says it's a commandment, did Paul have a choice whether he did it or not? Yeah, Yeah, he did. He didn't have to do it. He could have went back to tent making or whatever else he was doing. Right? Mm -hmm. Just like you. When you get rhema, do you have a choice whether you do it or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It could be a commandment, but how many know you don't have to do it? You don't have to. won't be good with you, but you don't have to. It's rhema. Verse 2. Unto Timothy, he's writing to Timothy, my own son in the faith. I mean, that's an intimate relationship going here. Isn't it? Okay. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, and I went to Macedonia that you might charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So he leaves Timothy, his son in the faith, at the church at Ephesus while he's going on with his apostle. Eisen, whatever apostles do, right? That's what he's on his missionary trip. Left Timothy here to make sure that what happened at Galatia doesn't happen here. You know what that is? Remember? Who bewitched you? You know, back in the law, the Judaizers, all that. He wants to make sure that the people at Ephesus don't get into that. Now let's read in verse 4. He said, They don't teach any other doctrine, neither give heed. We're going to take heed what we what? Here. Remember that? Take it. Neither give heed. To fables, which are stories, and endless genealogies. That's spiritual pedigrees, what it says in the Greek. Two things that we don't... Listen, when you're being... Because he's talking to Timothy, he said, listen, those guys that are ministering at Ephesus, make sure that the people don't give heed to their stories. Listen, I made this mistake. 
I listen to stories from my teachers and then I try to just copy what their story was. Give you an example. Dad Hagen said that his rhema was that he would command, he would claim a certain amount in the offering every week and then he would command the angels to go out and get it and bring it to him and it worked every time. Uh, when I did that, nothing happened. Then I did it again. The offering went down lower. What is going on, God? He said, did I tell you to do that? Well, no, but it worked for Dad. It'll work for me. He said, no, I didn't tell you to do that. Who told you to do that? Well, nobody. What was I doing? I was giving heed to his fables. Not saying they weren't true, but I don't give heed to his stories. It's a good example. That's why I don't tell you too many stories. Because what I know what will happen is you'll try to do what I did and imitate whatever it is that would happen and try to work and line up the planets the right and all the stars. And then I'm going to say exactly the jerk store called and they're running out of you. And it won't work. Okay? And then don't give heed where it says endless genealogy, spiritual pedigrees. I don't care who your daddy or your great-great-granddaddy or your great-great-great-great-granddaddy and you could trace your line back to Pope John whoever the first. I don't care. I don't care how many theological seminaries you went to, how many degrees you got. If you, what you say doesn't line up with what my conscience says, who tells me the truth in Christ, guess what? Love you. Got a thing. Don't you be imitated by, intimidated, intimidated by anybody's spiritual pedigree. If you have the same Lord and the same Spirit on the inside of you, what makes them so big? Well, I don't know the Word as good as them. You probably know the Spirit a whole lot better than them, so don't worry about it. Okay, so don't give heed to stories and, and spiritual pedigrees which minister questions. They serve up questions. That, that's true. Whenever I've tried to copy somebody's story, it served up a lot of questions like, how come that didn't work? Huh? Y'all ever been there? Okay. I'm feeling like I'm out here on Exile Island by myself. It says, rather, ministers questions, serves up questions, rather than godly edifying, which is in faith, and do that one. Now the end. Of the commandment. What's the end of what's a commandment? The end of any commandment. The final goal of what any commandment, any raiment that God gives you is what? Love. It's agape. That's the end goal. For God so loved the world. Everything is you. God is love. The end goal. Love. That there would be love at the end of whatever raiment that He gives you. How do we get there? Out of a Pure heart and a good conscience and of faith unfeigned, from which some have swerved, turning aside to vain jangling. Let me untangle that. You want, you want the rhema to work for you? The end goal is that the rhema comes to pass and we get the end goal, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the, he said, out of a pure heart and a good conscience. The first thing we have to do is have a good conscience. We're not living in guilt, right? I'm listening to the, the voice of my spirit. The second hurdle to jump is that it's pure. Isn't that what it said? Mm-hmm. Now, when I have good and I have pure, that means I don't have, I'm not listening to any admixture of what's false and I'm free from guilt. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Now I can make the next hurdle, which is faith un... So feigned means fake. Imitation. So if you could have unfeigned faith, could you have feigned faith? 
And this is where most people in the body of Christ, this is where they don't receive their healing, they don't receive finances, they don't receive riches, honor, and life. Because they're, what they're doing is have an imitation faith. Which is what I just did with that story that I told you about Dad Hagen. I didn't get rhema for me. I went with whatever rhema he got and tried to apply his rhema to my life. That's why some people get healed when they throw away their medicine when they're a diabetic and somebody else says, well, it worked for them, it'll work for me. They die. Why? Because God, obviously the one that got healed, was told throw away your medicine, heard from his good conscience and his pure heart, and had real unfeigned faith, threw away the medicine. And I'm healed. Now, I like testimonies, but how many know if everybody just threw away their medicine, and well, if they did it for him, and they'll do it for me. God's not a respecter of persons. You know he's not. You ever heard that taught? He's not. He'll heal everybody. How he gets you there is completely different for you than me. How you get to riches is completely different for you than me. Well, you know, so-and-so got that real estate business, and he made millions in real estate. I'll make my millions in real estate. Really? Did God tell you? Because probably what will happen is you'll fail. Unless he told you, I can guarantee you'll fail. This is what all the multi-level marketing people do. They sell you fake faith. Well, I'm an idiot and it worked for me and you can get an up-down line it'll work for you. No, 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 it won't. It's fake faith. That's, that's the truth. Amen. I know that's good, Andrew. Turn over here to Hebrews. It's not good if you're trying to get me into multi-level marketing. I fell for it a couple times in my youth. I'll be honest with you. Damn way people got me once or twice. I still got a box full of floss upstairs. It's 20 years old. Don't use it now. Turn over to Hebrews 11. Verse 29. Can't believe I admitted that. This is the faith chapter. Look at this in verse 29. It says, By faith, he's talking about the children of Israel went through the Red Sea as by dry land. Now, last night, the Ten Commandments are on with Charlton Heston and Yule Brenner. Okay? I love that scene where they go through the Red Sea. I mean, it's really cool. Okay? That's what this is talking about. By faith, they went through. Now, how many know? God told Moses, say Rhema, uh, hold your stick out over the ocean and I'll make you away. Okay? So it worked for them. Did God tell the Egyptians go in there? No. Did it work for them? No. Because look at the very next phrase. It said, which the Egyptians, a saying to do, were drowned. A saying means they imitated. They tried to do it. Now, what was the Egyptians' rhema? Let my people go. How many know that if they had let their free slave labor go, their nation would have prospered. How do you know? Because I know the end result of the commandment is love. And that God doesn't give commandment to anybody and then drop kick them. Whether they're in the covenant or they're out of the covenant. I could take you through the scripture and show you a lot of people that were out of the covenant and he gave them Raymond. They did it. Like Naaman, the Syrian captain who got healed of leprosy, he did his Raymond and was healed. He ain't in the covenant. The Egyptians, if they listened to their Raymond, they would have been prosperous. The children of Israel listened to their rhema and it worked for them. The Egyptians, they decided, well, if it worked for them, you know, they're slaves, it's got to work for me. And they drowned. They died. 
You will die too if you operate in feigned faith or fake faith. It will fail every single time. And then you'll say, Oh, I believe God and it didn't work. You didn't believe God. You believed an admixture of what was false, which violated your conscience and took you out of where you could receive. That's huge. If you can get that one down, 90% of our stuff, well, we make that hurdle 90% of the time. There's some other things that we'll get to, but this one is so big. If you can, see, I wish I knew this 20 years ago. How many times did I put my quote, quote, faith out there for something and then boom, face first, right? Or toes up. And boy, then you look like an idiot. And then you dust yourself off and I know, God, I love you, so I'm going to try it again. And then I do it again. And then you get to the point where you go, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe this did stop with the last apostle. Because I'm not seeing it, God. And you know my heart. I love it. Yeah, I know your heart. But what you did is you violated your conscience somewhere and you started operating in fake faith. And because no one taught me that, I mean, no, no one taught, had enough trust in my conscience. None of my teachers had a trust, enough trust in my conscience that I would hear from God to get Raymond for myself that my faith could work. They trusted in their conscience that they could hear from God, and they never did teach me how to get it for myself. I never heard anybody tell me that Rhema came from, our faith came from Rhema. Nobody ever told me that. Why not? Well, they didn't know. They must have just stumbled into it. Thank God that now we know. We don't, we're not going to stumble on that one anymore. So what you've got to do is have enough trust in your own conscience that you're hearing from God, and when you know that you know that you heard from God, then we move on that one, and that's unfeigned faith, and we will win every time it's impossible for you to fail, no matter what it looks like, because your conscience will tell you, height, nor depth, nor things present, nor things to come, nothing will separate me from the love of God, because what's the end result of the rhema is what? Right, and herein is our love made perfect, that we would have boldness in the day of crisis, because as He is, so are we in this world. And perfect love casts out fear. Because fear has torment. That's the end result of every rhema that we... And how do we get perfect in love? Have boldness. I mean, you know, when I know that I heard from God, I can be bold. Take no prisoners. Did Moses take prisoners? They all died. The wheels fell off and they went bloop, bloop, bloop. Pure conscience. All right. Next week, I'll give you the prescription that Paul gives us on how to have a pure conscience. Because now we know what it is, but we've got to know how to get there, don't we? How do we keep it that way? And Paul lays out, really, it's so crystal clear, it's easy, but how many know you got it? That takes work. It's easy. It's not hard work, but you've got to stay on it. You've got to Barney Fife it. You've got to nip it. Nip it, nip it, nip it. Any admixture of what is false, we nip it. Amen. Take heed what you hear. Mm-hmm. Turn off all that. You know what, I really, just go listen to classic rock 101 or something, okay? Something that you know, that you know is not spiritual. Until you know, until you can isolate and you know that I'm hearing my conscience and you can tell what is an admixture of what is false and what is the truth, just stop listening to a bunch of stuff. I know guys that are so mixed up because they listen, you know, they just go through the, whatever the TBN lineup is. 
And by the time, boy, you watch that from 8 o'clock to 4 in the afternoon, you've run the gamut of stuff, and man, I want to be Hindu. They have at least, you know, peace of mind. Uh, it's true. Amen. All right, y'all stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is truth. Holy Spirit, I thank you for testifying the truth to us as you know it. Holy Spirit, come along. Help us to recognize our conscience. Help us to recognize when you're talking to us. Help us to recognize when our spirit's talking to us. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.